Well, good morning and welcome to Hillside Assembly. If you're excited to be here this morning, how about a horn honk for Jesus? I gotta tell you, I really love that sound. Uh, if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you're here with us today. We're excited. We've got a full day planned. If you're joining us for the first time and you're online, you can find out more about our church at hillsideassembly.org. You can also connect with us in the chat today. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, for giving, you can give online, or if you're here in our parking lot today, you can give in the white containers as you exit the facility today. We've got a full day planned today. There's a lot of great stuff. We're going to have communion uh, after the message today. I'm excited about that. Robbie will be uh, leading that for us, and uh, we will also be talking about the launch. On March 21st, we're launching in-person worship experiences here at Hillside. So excited. Not only are we going to talk about what we're doing, we want to talk about why we're doing it the way we're doing it. And I think once you hear it, you're going to go, man, I understand. I'm excited about this. And most of all, we're excited about connecting people with Jesus. I love this verse. It's something that uh, we talked about in Kids Connect this week. Uh, Jeb and Miss Jackie on their uh, uh, Kids Connect program this week talked about Romans 12:15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I just want to let you know whether this week is a week of celebration for you or it's been a week of hardships and emotional trauma for you, I want you to know our church stands with you today. And I just want to open our service in prayer. God, we thank you so much. God, that you're a God who walks with us and that we're a church who does life together. God, the opportunity to be carriers of your word that, God, you've given us a message of hope. And, God, you've called us, called us to share it with our community, our coworkers, our family members. God, this morning, I believe you're wanting to go to the deepest place in our hearts and minds. To allow your Holy Spirit to bring conviction to our heart and to help us to show the areas in our life where you're calling us to stand up and fight. The battles you're calling us to in our life. And, God, I pray this morning that we would respond to you with all of our heart with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Lord, we pray this morning for those who are walking through uh, situations in their life. We pray for profound wisdom as they make decisions and choices that you would give guidance to them. And Lord, we pray for those who are walking through hardships, emotional times in their life, God, and sorrow and loss. God, that you would just respond to them, that you would comfort them, and you would move powerfully in their life. God, we pray this morning, have your way. Move in this place and across the airwaves and online today. God, you would be glorified, you would move, and you would bring freedom to your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Mike, would you lead us in a worship song this morning? Good 
Again, there we go. Thank you, worship team, uh, for sharing with us this morning. They'll be back throughout the service to help us with transitions and to help us usher into God's presence. Well, I think it's time to hear a word from the Lord this morning. I know we've already prayed, but I want to pray over the word because I don't want us to hear something from man's heart. I want to hear from God's heart this morning. So, Lord, in the next few moments, God, I pray that the word that you've placed in my heart is not the word of man, but God, from your word. And that, Lord, what would be communicated would be powerful, that the Spirit would move, that, God, you would bring conviction into our life, that, Lord, you would help to change and transform our life to make us better disciples in your kingdom. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. amen. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. We're in Mark chapter 8. We're in a series called Just Like Jesus. And here's the point of the message. We're trying to figure out what should the church look like? What should my life look like? When I go back to the word, what does it teach me that a disciple is? So we're in Mark chapter 8. We're going to pick up on the verses that we talked about last week where Jesus had this, began to have this intimate uh, moment with his disciples. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them to not tell anyone about this. There are a lot of people in our community today, a lot of people that are watching online today that have a lot of different thought processes about who Jesus is. At the end of the day, it's not it's not about what other people tell you about Jesus. It's what you truly believe about Jesus. That's why we preach the word. That's why we share in all these different ways with you about who Jesus is and who he can be in your life. Because there's a decision that all of us have to make. We have to decide who is Jesus. Now we're going to pick up in verse 31 where this goes to the next level. With those who are the closest to Jesus. These are the disciples. These are people sold out to what God is doing. They're on mission in this moment where Jesus gives them this intimate secret and in how they handle it. Verse 31, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed after three days, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let's talk about point one this morning, and it's this. It's simple, but it's definitely not easy. It's simple, but not easy. Now that they have confessed that their faith in Christ the disciples were ready for the secret Jesus wanted to share with them. He was, going, he was going with them to Jerusalem, where he would die on a cross. From this point on, Mark will focus on the journey to Jerusalem and the emphasis on Jesus approaching his death, but also his resurrection. This announcement stunned the disciples. If he is indeed the Christ of God, as they have confessed, then why would he be rejected by the religious leaders? Why would these leaders crucify him? Did not the Old Testament scriptures promise the Messiah would defeat all their enemies and establish a glorious kingdom for Israel? There was something wrong somewhere in the disciples. They were confused. True to the character, or true to character, it was Peter who expressed his concern. 
One minute, one minute Peter was led by God to confess his faith that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the next minute, he was thinking like an unbelieving man, expressing his thoughts. And the thoughts, not really even his thoughts, but the thoughts of Satan. This is a warning for us today. When we argue with the word of God, we're open to the door of Satan's lies. There must be a clear understanding of God's word for us to be able to execute the life that God's calling us to. Jesus always kept it simple. Simple, but definitely not easy. There's a big difference. We talk about simple, it's this, it's, it's easy to understand. It's clear and not confusing, and it's focused. You didn't have to be a rocket science to understand the gospel message Jesus was presenting. I mean, look at his ministry team. Probably only two, maybe three of them were highly educated. The rest of them were, were guys from a, a fishing boat. You got, you got one guy who, who is a politician and maybe, maybe on the verge of what we would consider a terrorist. These are the people that made up Jesus' team. They're cr the, this crazy background, they didn't have to be rocket scientists to understand the gospel message. It was simple. It was laid out. It was focused. It was clear. But it's, it's not easy to apply some of these principles Jesus talked about in our life. Principles like forgiveness, sacrifice, and trusting God. These things can be extremely challenging to figure out how we live in them. Thank goodness for God's grace that helps us to do that. But it's in the wrestling that real spiritual growth happens. It, it, it's in the conflict with our flesh and the spirit that really that we, we begin to excel and develop and change and transform. It's in this inward battle that every follower of Christ should be fighting. And in this moment, the disciples aren't fighting that fight. Way too many Christians are focused on fighting every other battle out here. Battles against the culture and our news and, and, and picking fights with, with people that, that think differently than we do. But very few Christians, and definitely not enough Christians, prioritize the most important battle, the fight that needs to happen every day in here and in here. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up for, for some of the things that are happening out here, but if we're not willing to do this first, and this first every day, we're not going to be successful at anything else. And to think maybe, I, I know that the, the intentions here is to go, well, you know, this message is for somebody else. This message is for the new believers because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any type of, of battle with, with the flesh and the spirit. I'm spirit all the time. And if that's you this morning, if you feel that way, I would love to shake your hand after service because you're better than every single person in the Bible, including Jesus. Because even Jesus fought the fight between the spirit and the flesh. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And guess what? He, he got in the fight. He stood up. And the spirit won. It, it was in the garden of Gethsemane that he stood here. And his flesh did not want to walk the road ahead of him. But in his prayer time said, God, your will, not mine. Not my desire, but the will of God must come first. Thank goodness Jesus was in the fight. And we've got to get in the fight for our spiritual growth in our hearts and minds. Because if we don't, there's going to be really pro real problems that we're going to have to face. It's so easy, so simple for us to just fight the external battles. But it's challenging and it takes courage to fight the internal fight. Just a few months ago, Ravi Zacharias, probably the greatest apologist of our time, maybe since the time of Paul, who was able to take scripture principles and talk about them and unravel them in just amazing ways, incredible communicator of the gospel message. He died a few months ago. And now it's come to light that this man who was preaching the word, changing people's lives for the kingdom, 
was wrapped up in sexual abuse of women across the globe. Because he stopped fighting. He fought a lot of battles, but he stopped fighting the battle here and here. Church, we've got to fight the battles of the flesh here and here daily. We've got to step in so we're not like Peter. And our will is coming into battle with God's will. And we miss opportunities to walk out and see God do incredible things. Where are you at today? Are you fighting the fight? Are you engaged in battles between the spirit and flesh in your own life? Get engaged. Stop sitting on the sidelines of your own life and let Jesus change you through his word. That brings us to point two of this passage, the emotional response. Peter found himself in a place where, where his desire of his flesh was challenging the word of God and the will of God. Peter's protest was, was born out of ignorance of God's will and his deep love for Jesus. One minute, Peter was the rock. The next minute, he was the stumbling block. Peter had grown close to Jesus. Peter believed Jesus was the Savior. But Peter also saw Jesus as his friend. No one wants to see their friend, their spouse, their family member suffer. But Jesus had to walk this tough road ahead. He had to walk this road of suffering and sacrifice. Because if he didn't, there was no hope for you and no hope for me. There would be no salvation. No hope, no gospel, no church, no spirit-filled life. You know what we would have been left with? Hopelessness, imprisonment to sin, a life without a message, and a life without mission. I don't know about you, I'm sure glad that Jesus went to the cross. He walked the battle. He got engaged. And he was willing to do the will of God above the will of man. Peter's response was an emotional one. It was a quick response without thought, a response without understanding, a response out of Peter's own will over the will of God. A reaction instead of really a thought-through response. How often do we do the same thing? We respond too quickly. We speak without thinking. We speak without understanding. And we respond without weighing in. What is God's will in this moment, in this situation? How are you responding today? How are you responding to your spouse, to your kids, to the difficult things that we face in our culture? How are you responding to ministry in your life? Events are happening around our world today that are difficult, are challenging. There is a conflict between what God would want for us and what the culture says is acceptable. But before we respond, let us think and let us seek God. Let us consult with God to find out what He wants to do and while He's asking us to respond before we become a stumbling block to His purpose. Speaking of emotional responses, in just a few weeks, I am sure there will be one on March 21st. For the first time in close to a year, we'll be returning to in-person services in our building. I'm so excited about this. But I also know this. That alone is going to be emotional. It will be emotional to be indoors, to be with each other. Layer on top of that a season where we've been in isolation for the most part. And now we're going to throw in some stimulation of not only human interaction but also lights and music and all these things, it's a lot to handle emotionally. That's one of the reasons why we're laying out the start of in-person services the way we are. To be able to, to do things in a way where we can process it and hear from God and just not emotionally be lost. Because we want to connect our hearts and minds to God. That's what having church services is all about. And we want to provide an atmosphere not only that's safe physically, but safe emotionally as people re-engage and we walk this out together. 
It will take time. Let's get to our last point today, and that's this, the choice of the cross. Let's go back to our, our, our scriptures, Mark chapter 8. We'll go to verse 34. After this rebuke happened, first Peter tried to rebuke Jesus. Jesus goes, no, this is happening. You've got to get behind me because I can't, we can't make this decision based in flesh. It's got to be in the will of God. This is what Jesus did. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. It was just not a wooden cross that Jesus would carry to the place where he would die. Jesus carried the burden and the weight of our sins to that place. He was willing to count the cost of the cross and what it meant. And here he tells his disciples, to be a disciple means you'll have to carry a cross. Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. There's a cross to be carried by those who want to be disciples of Jesus. Jesus put the mission of connecting people to the gospel above all else. Above all else. It was the number one priority. And look at now the command given to us in this passage of scripture. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus said for me and for the gospel. You can't separate Jesus from the gospel. You can't have one without the other. They are tied at the hip. The good news of what Jesus did is Jesus. We must carry a cross, a burden, to tell people about our Savior, about salvation, and connect people to Him. They have to have an opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. We wonder how in the world did our communities fall into the mess that they're in today? How did our culture possibly get to where it is? And before we point the finger at everybody else, let's point the finger at the church and how we failed. Because our nation used to be a nation that served God. A majority of the people that lived in our nation followed Christly principles because they had a relationship with Jesus. But somewhere over the generations, the church prioritized behavior over a relationship with Jesus. And when you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the behavior doesn't matter. And now across our country, churches are filled with people that show up on a Sunday morning, sit in a pew, and check off a box, and have no relationship with Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, how in the world are you expected to live a life on godly principles? It's impossible. So as we get frustrated with decisions that are being made in our country, of all the different things that are happening, the answer is Christ. The answer is to take the gospel message to people because that is what changes lives. I know that a lot of you are frustrated, including myself, with things that, that our, our, our Congress right now is, is looking at doing and, and things that they're, they're talking about and bills that go through at 2 o'clock in, the, the, uh, in the morning. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's very shady, to be honest. But do I, am I surprised by that? No. Because if you don't know Jesus, how in the world are we expecting people to live out a life based on God's principles? We've got to share Jesus with people. That's, that's the answer. And it's not just one way. Let me assure you, I'm probably preaching myself out of a job this morning, but you know what? The truth is the truth. At the GOP conference this week, the Republicans rolled out a gold statue of Donald Trump. And I watched as people worshipped an idol, a physical idol of a man. That's right out of the book of Exodus. 
Our salvation is not coming from a political group. It's not coming from a man. Our salvation is in Jesus. And that's the message we have to share. That's the message. That's the battle for the culture, is to share Jesus. We can spend all our energy running around and trying to do all these things and battle and fight all these fights. It's meaningless. If we're not sharing Jesus with people, it's meaningless. It's about Jesus. God help us and God forgive us that we have not put the message of the gospel first. That Jesus saves. That there's hope in our Savior and that He wants a relationship with you. God help us. And God forgive us. This morning, the majority of you watching online and the majority of you sitting in the car know Christ. And I'm grateful for that. I love being your shepherd. In the most challenging year I've ever faced in my life, it has been my honor and privilege to get up here and to share the gospel with you. But the truth is, a majority of our community does not have a relationship with Jesus. And we have to do all we can do to provide avenues for people to find Christ. That's why we've sacrificed. This winter when I get to the point when we said, we just feel like God's not telling us to come back in the building. You don't know how much I just wanted to say, let's just do it anyway. How much I just wanted to operate in the flesh. You don't know how much I just wanted to say, I just, I just want you all to, to be happy. <laughs> but as I would pray, God would speak to me. And say, will you prioritize obedience to me? If people are willing to go up to Green Bay and to sit outside in the snow and watch a football game for hours, are you willing to go out in the elements and preach my word to, so that your community can see that there's someone who loves me so much that they're willing to sacrifice for the message? That's why I'm out here. I'm not out here because of fear. I'm out here because I desire for the will of God to be done in our community. I love Jesus and I love you and I've tried my best to be a good shepherd through this time. And at the end of the day, I will stand before God and I will be able to say, Everything that you spoke to me and asked me to do, I did to the best of my ability. As we get ready to transition, I know that there are some people, you might not feel great about the outlines that we've said, these temporary things about moving back into service. I've heard a lot of statistics, but let me give you the biggest statistic that I can today and probably the only statistic that matters. I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings, but we've got to face reality. The only statistic that matters, how many people did you bring to Jesus this year? I got a feeling if we were inside, that it would be very quiet. For a lot of us, the answer is none. I don't say that to hurt you. I say that to say we've got to get on our knees and pray. And go, God, you've got to help us to be soul winners. You've got to help me to see opportunities to share Christ. And I will tell you this. I've never, I've never preached as many messages as I had over the last 12 months online and, and different things and Kids Connect and all these and with the puppet and all the stuff. 
I've, I've, I've been able to pray for more people to accept Christ in the last year than I did over the last five. And I still feel in myself it's not enough. It's not enough. Because there's people in our community this morning that are empty and broken and hurt. They're addicted. There's a wife that's fearful that her depressed husband's going to come home drunk as a skunk and beat her and her kids. That's not somewhere else, that's here. There's people dealing with depression, lost, have no mission, have no focus, are feeling like giving up. There's young people today in our own community that feel like there's no purpose and they're wondering, should I even go on living? Is this life really even worth it? Right here in Ripon and surrounding communities. We got to do everything we can, church, to tell them there's hope and there's someone named Jesus that wants a relationship with you. We need Jesus today, more than ever. And I don't know about you, but I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever God asks us to do, for as many people as possible, to experience Jesus before it's too late. God's coming back. I don't know when. But until He does, or until He calls me home, my mission in life is to share the gospel with the people who need it. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for an opportunity to be your people. Lord, if there's someone today that's watching, listening over the radio, they go, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they've sat in the pews of churches since they were a kid, but they've never experienced a relationship with you. Lord, we want to start that relationship today. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I need hope. I need to know I'm not alone. That I'm loved by an almighty God. God, would you come into my life? God, would you change and transform my heart and mind? Would you start me on the road of being a follower of you? Show me who you are. What you want for my life. Because I submit my life to you. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, you are a child of God. We want to help you and resource you with every tool possible for you to grow. Please reach out to us. Say so on the chat or give me a message later this week. Reach out to the church. You can contact us on our website. Church, I want to pray for us before Robin comes to lead us in communion. God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, to reach this community. Whatever sacrifice it would take, whatever road you take us down, God, whatever it takes that, that people who need you can find you. Lord, we'll continue to grow. We'll continue to develop. We'll continue to be in the fight. But Lord, as we prioritize the gospel message above all else, I believe our spiritual growth will excel in ways we've never experienced. We'll see mighty miracles pour out. God, forgive us when we've watered down your message, when we've made things more important than you, who you are and what you did, what you're doing and what you will do. Jesus, you're it all. You're everything. And I thank you for saving us, and I thank you for guiding us through this time as a church. It's been difficult. It's been challenging. But God, how rewarding. How rewarding to see marriages restored. How rewarding to see addictions broken. How rewarding to see lost people come to know you as their Savior. How rewarding to see people take the plunge and be water baptized. How rewarding to see people excel in their faith and talk about the testimonies that they've had and experiences that they've had with you. Thank you. And God, when we've complained, when we've when we put other things above you in this season, forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, bring us into unity with you. And God, put us on mission that we might reach someone for Christ in the days ahead. We give you praise, glory, and honor in God's people.
Thanks, Robbie, for sharing. Before Mike closes us out in a time of uh, worship here, uh, I want to share with you about the launch. Uh, so excited for indoor services to return to Hillside Assembly. I hope you are too. Um, and so, first of all, I just want to say, when we talk about some of the things that are happening, some of these are temporary. Um, so just realize that. We're not saying this is what church will look like from now until forever. Uh, some of these might be a few weeks, some might be a few months, um, and we're just going to transition as, as God would lead us. So uh, first off, on Sunday, March 21st, we'll launch in-person services. We're going to go with two services, and we'll talk about that in a moment, why we're doing that. Uh, we're going to continue to live stream our services moving forward. That's, we've got the infrastructure. We're reaching a ton of people. Uh, almost every Sunday by Sunday night, there were over 100 views uh, and we put it on multiple formats. We get more than that. We know a lot of those aren't individuals. They're families or couples. And so we're impacting a lot of people. We want to continue to have that available. We'll also continue for the time being to broadcast on uh, the radio. And so you can pick us up on the radio. So if you're not comfortable coming back in the building and you wanna, you're still at home or you want to come to the parking lot, you're welcome to do either of those two. So the goal of doing two services to start with is to provide a safe place emotionally, physically, and spiritually uh, for people to experience Jesus, because that's what it's all about. Uh, we want to take uh, everyone that's ready to come back for in-person services and split them up into two smaller groups to start with. I think we kind of explained the emotional side of that, but there's also the physical side and just trying to figure out, we're not sure how many people want to come back, to really be honest. Maybe we find out a couple weeks into this, okay, there's only... 50, 60 people that are ready to come back in the building, that's great. We can go back to one service uh, and a month from now. Uh, we, can, we can look at doing that, um, and that would be fine. That would be totally great. God could go the other direction, too, and we could pack out both services and try to figure out how we're going to do a third. Um, I think that's a real possibility. Um, so we're going to see just where this all goes. We just aren't sure, and so it's going to be an adventure we'll go on together. Um, to help us make this plan happen, what we're going to ask you to do is starting March 5th, that'll be this Friday, we're going to open registration for you to register for which service that you want to go to. We have so many slots available. As they fill up, then we'll open up more slots and more slots till we get to capacity. The goal is to try to even out those services so we're not lopsided one way or the other. We're going to take care of people who don't have online access first. So we're going to reach out to you. Canna's going to probably take care of a majority of this reach out to you uh, by phone and connect you with the service that you want. We'll take care of that, enter that data, get that going. Um, or if we don't, you don't hear from us, please feel free to call the office and we'll make sure that that happens because there's a lot going on here. We're juggling a lot of things. So just contact us on Friday. Hannah will be in from 1.30 to 4 p.m. around that time frame. And we'll get those people uh, signed in, checked in, get them set for a service time. Then we'll open up our online registration and that will happen online. If you get to a point where it hits capacity, uh, just wait. I'm going to go in and check it about every other day, and we'll put more slots available until we're, we reach the capacity of what we're able to hold. So uh, what to expect with worship experience? Um, service will be about an hour in length. Services will be at 9 and 11. Uh, offering will be taken at the end of each service. It will be similar to what we do here, uh, except we'll have a receptacle in the building, uh, in our foyer. Receptacle sounds so weird because it sounds like a garbage can. It won't be a garbage can. There'll be a, uh, some type of giving uh, a device there where you can just walk up, give uh, in that at the end of service. We'll make it easy for everybody to be able uh, to do that. Uh, the sanctuary in between services and our restrooms will be cleaned. Our team is going to take care of that. We've got the equipment to be able to do that. But you don't want to breathe in this stuff that we're using to clean. Uh, so we're asking for your help when we dismiss service. If you could exit the building around 10 minutes after we dismiss, that's great. So we can get everything clean, disinfected for the next group coming in, and we can start service on time. That would be extremely helpful. We appreciate that. Now here's, here's kind of a couple of the big ones. We're going to ask people to wear masks so that the people around us know that we love them. And I know that some people really freak out over the mask thing. I get it, okay? But please understand my heart. My heart is I know that there's some people that don't believe this mask thing is, does any good. I got people on the other end of the spectrum that absolutely believe that. I'm not even saying where I'm at in that situation. Here's what I know. 
if God said more people would accept Christ and come to Christ and come to church if I dressed in Big Bird outfit, I would wear a Big Bird outfit every stinking Sunday. All right? I just would. And you know what? Jeff and Dave would be the snuffleupagus. All right? We, we love people. We want people to feel comfortable coming. I want people in our community that maybe have connected with us online feel comfortable coming to the building. So yeah, for the time being, we're asking you to wear masks if you're not on the platform. And when we come off the platform, we're going to put them on. Jesus sacrificed a whole lot more than that to bring people into the kingdom. So I don't think it's that big a deal to ask you to do that for this period of time. We're also going to be asking you to social distance in the building. To help with that, we're blocking every other pew out. Uh, we're going to keep things like jackets, hats, purses. Keep them on you. We're going we're to not use the coat racks because, think about this for a minute, we just would put all of us in the same place at the same time. That defeats everything we're doing. So just keep those items with you for this season. Here's one that I know is difficult, but try to understand where we're coming from. We're asking you to refrain from hugs and handshakes with people outside your immediate household while you might be ready for that type of interaction. Not everybody that comes back to in-person services is at that same place. So we're just asking you to respect personal space. Give them the opportunity to come and hear the gospel message and feel comfortable and loved while they're here. And again, this is for the season. Um, I know this one seems obvious, but got to say it. Uh, if you're sick or your kids are sick, stay at home for the week, all right? Uh, it just... It, Get better. Come back next week. It's great. Let us know. We'll pray for you during the service. But if you're sick, stay at home, please. Uh, at the current time, we're not going to be offering child care. Our nursery is available for anyone who'd like to use it. But we ask that uh, any child in the, in the nursery is accompanied by an adult from that family. Uh, children's ministry will make its return, but not for the next few weeks. Jackie and I are working hard on that. And we'd like you to keep your kids with you because we're going to have a very family-oriented service each and every week. The experience is going to be great. Uh, we're bringing Jeb into the service. We're going to do some really cool things. I'm pumped for Easter. It's going to be an amazing Easter service. We've got some great things planned. So for the time being, we are not do we're not doing kids' ministry separate. We will continue uh, to put Kids Connect online uh, and that resource available to you. But we will launch kids' ministry in the near future. To end all this today, here's what I'd like to say to you. This plan is not about me. This plan is not really about you. This plan is about bringing people and connecting them with Jesus. And this is all temporary. So please, if you're really in conflict with some of the things that are happening here, just put it in perspective of eternity. Just put it in that perspective someone might have an opportunity to accept Christ because of the steps we're taking. And I look at that and go, it's well worth it. Well, well worth it. Because the word says that one person that comes to Jesus, just one, that the angels in heaven celebrate. They do a hoe down. As Jeb says, they scoot, shoot, and boogie when somebody comes to Jesus. Boy, the church needs to be willing to do, just take some extra steps to give opportunity for people to connect with Christ. So I hope that you're on board with this plan. If you've got questions, contact me or the board this week. We're happy to try to answer any of those that you've got. But I'm excited about in-serve, in-person services. Is anybody else excited? Well, let's just do what Jeb says. Let's scoot, shoot, and boogie. Mike, lead us one more time in worship today. for God's people.
children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you he is for you, 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 not against you, he is for you. Lord bless you. 